My guest today is Marika Stipanovic. Marika is the Principal Policy Officer on Anti-Racism with the New South Wales Department of Education. She's worked in education for over 40 years, both with adults in industry and TAFE, and with young people in New South Wales public schools and overseas. She's worked with students with refugee experience, with newly arrived migrants, and in mainstream settings with specific responsibilities to support the well-being of all students. For the past 10 years, she's been working with the New South Wales Department of Education in leading anti-racism education initiatives. Her work has involved working directly with teachers in supporting students and staff experiencing racism and supporting teachers to deliver learnings around anti-racism. Most recently, she's led the revision of the department's anti-racism policy. In my interview with her, we discuss anti-racism education in New South Wales public schools, anti-racism contact officers, and how the Department of Education is enacting the strategies that have come out of the new anti-racism policy. Good morning, Marika, and a very warm welcome to the Hints for Healing podcast. Good morning, Nicole. Thank you very much for the welcome. And I'd just like to share with you, I'm, I'm sitting here looking out to country nestled in the hills along the Gudjigong River on the lands of the Maoji clan who form part of the many clans of the Wiradjuri Nation. I'd like to thank and pay my respects to the Maoji elders, past, present, uh, for the care that they took and continue to take looking after the country that I am now on and privileged to live on and enjoy with my family. I'd also like to acknowledge the impact that Australia's past racist policies and practices have had on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. And thank you for inviting me to talk about how the New South Wales Department of Education uh, works in the anti-racism education space. No, oh, it's our pleasure, Marika, and thank you for that heartfelt acknowledgement of country as well. We are just thrilled to have you on the show to talk about this topic. You've got such a long history of working in anti-racism education initiatives with the New South Wales Department of Education. And then on top of that, more recently, you've led the um, revision of the department's anti-racism policy. So I know we've got so much we're going to try and squeeze into the time we have together. So let's get straight into it. Um, I'd love to hear what are some of the ways that anti-racism education manifests in New South Wales public schools? Uh, thank you for that question. Look, um, the department has had anti-racism policy for over 30 years and the policy and the aim of anti-racism education is to address racism in all its manifestations and to address the impact it has on any and all students, communities and staff members. As you mentioned, it's been recently revised and the revised policy strengthens our commitment to Aboriginal education. Um, the significant change, however, is that the policy stipulates that all employees are to complete the department's mandatory anti-policy training. Um, and we're very excited that every member of the New South Wales Department of Education is required to complete this mandatory training. And the aim of the training is for 
um, strengthening understandings of the impact of racism and also to help everyone familiarise themselves with their individual and collective responsibilities um, around implementing the policy. As I mentioned, anti-racism has been everyone's responsibility and um, the, the role that um, the staff need to play in countering racism um, is explicit in the policy and in the training that staff have to complete. Um, we also, in terms of uh, anti-racism education manifesting, um, we work on the premise um, uh, that whole organisation and whole school approaches and strategies work best when combating racism. Yeah. So uh, they're the biggest manifestations. We have a number of programs which support staff to understand, prevent and address racism at school level. Um, we have systems for dealing with incidents of racism. Uh, we look at work in the curriculum area and we have curriculum linked strategies which aim to teach stu uh, students about Australia's cultural diversity, history and racial discrimination laws. Um, and we have, which I'm sure you and your listeners will be familiar with, the intercultural understanding curriculum requirement from the Australian curriculum which is embedded in the New South Wales curriculum as well. Wow, it's really comprehensive, Marika, and it's it's just wonderful to hear about that mandatory training that's come in as well. And it's been a few weeks since we spoke about it, <clears throat> but even then um, it was way more than half that had already completed the training. Do you have um, updated stats on what percentage of staff have done the training now? Yes, we have. As I said to you before, it's um, the training is for everybody from our senior executive down to, you know, the general assistant who does the gardening. And we have over 75% of school staff um, having completed the, the training. So we're very, very excited about the appetite that's out there for people to deepen their understanding because the training has only been mandatory for one term, which in effect is 10 weeks. So, yeah, so we're very, very um, uh, encouraged um, by that interest and uh, we're looking forward to looking at um, what the impact of that training will be. Mm. No, it sounds great, Marika. You also mentioned um, the whole of school responses to supporting students um, with refugee experience. I was wondering if you could speak a little about how the anti-racism education strategies align with those whole school approaches. Absolutely. I mean, the whole school approaches are very much, or anti-racism whole school approaches are very much about targeting students um, and providing equity structures and resources uh, to enable students and teachers to develop those high expectations and aspirations. So we look very much around the systems to help um, teachers do that. And uh, one example is we have, um, well, the whole, you know, whole school approach is we have uh, English as an additional language uh, or dialect school leaders um, who are experts and are allocated to schools with usually large um, cohorts of students with refugee experiences. Um, and these teachers can work across schools. So that's one example of a whole school approach. Um, another example of a whole school approach would be 
um, uh, our EALD uh, evaluation framework, um, which is a framework that, and, and in that we target approaches for refugee or students from refugee backgrounds, and that's linked to the school what we uh, what we have as a school excellence framework, which is a framework from which schools set their strategic direction and school improvement plans. So um, it's it's a very prominent part of that linkage to uh, school improvement plans. We also have some resources, uh, resourcing and funding um, that supports students with refugee experiences in schools. So there's the other whole school link. Um, we have uh, refugee student uh, readiness tools, which are schools to assess their whole school approaches to supporting refugee, uh, students from refugee backgrounds to reach that equity kind of threshold that I'm the structure that I'm talking about, um, and uh, that tool also helps them identify what supports are required, where the gaps are, and they can work towards meeting those gaps. Um, they're just some of the examples of kind of the whole school approach um, to to students. Mm -hmm. oh, that does sound really well integrated. And another um, a role I'm really interested in hearing a bit more about are the anti-racism contact officers. So what is their role in New South Wales public schools? Okay, so the anti-racism contact officer is uh, uh, one of our um, uh, priority uh, strategists, if you like, and they have existed for over 20 years in New South Wales public schools. So the anti-racism contact officer is a teacher nominated by the principal um, whose major role is to promote anti-racism education support the handling of complaints, so by providing advice to complainants who um, who may want to make a complaint of racism. That includes parents, teachers and students. And the third role is to monitor um, incidents of racism in the school and then to support the principal to use this data to inform um, anti-racism strategies in schools. So the anti-racism um, policy uh, mandates that every school has at least one anti-racism contact officer or ARCO as we call them. Um, and then uh, more and more schools are having more than one ARCO and then they're working as a team in, and across schools. And what additional training do ARCOs receive? Uh, ARCOs have about 10 hours of training. Of, their, kind of, their mandatory training is 10 hours of a blended learning uh, amount of training where um, they meet as a cohort at the beginning face-to-face -face or digitally as, as is the case these days. Then they do a whole heap of um, online work um, that they can, which includes um, committing to actions that they need to complete while they're doing their training uh, or soon after. And then they meet again halfway through the course, which is, this is a really great aspect of the blended learning, where they go through um, one and a half hours or so of role playing. Um, so they play their role in, in, in supporting a complainant um, to 
to um, resolve a complaint sometimes if it's a student. Um, they are responsible for assisting resolving complaints with students but not resolving complaints between staff or uh, the community. That procedure is very much aligned to the universal procedure in the New South Wales Government for managing complaints. So um, the, the ARCO training allows them to practice how they'd go about that and then they complete the training and assess how they felt they went with the three actions that they had to implement in the school uh, during or shortly after their training. So it's a very passionate um, role, a very involved role. So usually our ARCOs are very passionate anti-racism education educators um, to enable them to do their role really well. And what support is available for teachers that are willing on to, willing to take on this additional role? Uh, the, the school gets about two days of relief from face-to-face teaching um, every few years for for the ARCO to do their role. Some ARCOs negotiate time um, with their principals so they get extra time, particularly if they're supporting teachers in developing um, curriculum that embeds anti-racism or culturally inclusive um, uh, practices in the curriculum, or if they're developing professional learning that they need to deliver to staff on anti-racism, or if they're working with a student body, for example, that um, where they're providing or deepening understanding around racism and student groups develop upstander responses kind of uh, protocols for their school. So different ARCOs in different schools get different levels of support. I see, yeah. And is there a network of ARCOs where they get a chance to to network and, and share ideas and support each other? Yeah, well, thank you for, for alluding to that, um, Nicole. We're um, really promoting our ARCO networks now. Um, uh, they're having a bit of a resurgence. So uh, different ARCOs um, in different regional areas come together and um, support each other and discuss issues and kind of chew the fat, if you like. Um, but that that is a, a really, really important aspect of support for them. We, we also have a couple of um, anti-racism education advisors uh, at the corporate level. Uh, we have an advisor for our K to six schools and an advisor for our seven to 12 schools. And those advisors support our ARCOs and support our teachers in schools uh, to deal with any issues. But they are their ARCOs' first point of call um, is to speak with those advisors who who support them with resources or any other issues that might come up. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, that is a few um, levels of support that there's available to them. And what what other commitments would they have each year if they're interested in taking this on? Uh, yeah, well, as I said, one of the huge commitments is um, uh, promoting their role and often um, ARCOs who come uh, to training say, oh, we don't have many incidents of racism uh, at our school and a few months down the track they'll come back to us and they say, oh, my goodness, I've had this influx of incidents because all of a sudden people are feeling safe to, uh, to, to report incidents of racism or they um, 
they, uh, you know, their experiences have been acknowledged um, and not swept under the carpet as often is the case. So uh, there's a spike in the number of um, in, in the number of incidents that have been reported. So the ARCO role is, you know, promoting themselves within the school and the school community with PNCs, with, through newsletters on social um, networks for the school. And they also um, uh, are really, really um, encouraged to develop staff professional learning on anti-racism. So as well as all staff doing their um mandatory training, the localised um, ARCO um, can develop professional learning specific for each school's context. And that professional learning might be on the procedures that the school will have, upstander responses, scripts for teachers to, um, to be able to use when they uh, are responding to incidents of racism so that there is consistency in the school. And we know, Nicole, I mean, you know, that um, teachers um, find it quite confronting um, or many teachers find it confronting to, to talk about racism or the R word, as we call it. They don't have the confidence they want to, but they don't want to make a mistake. So the ARCO's role is to build that confidence in the school, in the local school, to have those conversations and for the teachers to um, be confident in actually addressing the issues themselves. So building the capacity of teacher understanding and teacher um teacher response, um, providing lessons with students, like helping teachers develop lessons in um, particularly um, in, you know, in uh, well-being kind of situations or through the curriculum. For example, PD Health PE uh, curriculum lends itself really well um, in, in the primary school area. Um, they support leadership teams with strategies to resolve complaints. They build into cultural understanding within the schools. Um, they work with uh, teachers, as I said, to develop inclusive curriculum and um, student-led initiatives that promote upstander responses that I alluded to before. So the ARCO role is, we, we stipulate that the ARCO role is very, very much about supporting the principal. Uh, in implementing anti-racism strategies. Our archives aren't solely responsible for anti-racism in the school. Um, we always go back to it's everybody's responsibility. The principal leads the school. The principal's responsible for developing an anti-racism culture in the school. And the ARCO is the go-to person to assist in that process. It's such a wonderful role with so much potential and I'm glad that, you know, you're really advocating for that release time as well. That's wonderful to hear so they can spend more time making these resources and supporting their colleagues. It's it's really a great role. I was wondering when you were talking about the training, um, you were talking about there's some actions they have to complete as part of the training. Would they be like those examples you gave of, you know, those commitments that they've got within the school or what are some examples of those actions? 
Yes, thank you for alluding to that, Nicole. Yeah, one of the first actions we kind of encourage our coast to do is to sit down with the principal and kind of do a little bit of a gap analysis, if you like, you know. Um, so that's the type of action. So where are they at on the anti-racism spectrum? What sort of culture does the school have? So uh, an action and an ARCO might be, would be to put up posters that promote culturally inclusive respect, yeah, uh, around the school. Another action might be, uh, as I said, working with teachers in developing uh, a suite of lessons for students for a particular year group. Um, another action might be in developing um, uh uh, um, uh, the student leadership bodies, you know, the SRC, we call it the SRC in New South Wales, the student leadership body providing understanding for them and then getting um, the student leadership body to work with students in the school on building protocols for um, developing upstander responses. Um, another action um, that ARCOs often um, put up uh, is uh, getting students to develop posters that um, that um, they can put up around the school promoting uh, inclusive practice. Another action might be developing a committee for anti-racism in the school that they lead so that the school is constantly doing activity around inclusion rather than just on Harmony Day or NAIDOC week, um, for example, or, you know, Refugee Week, so that there's a group of people who have the responsibility. So there's lots of actions that... Um, that ARCOs can do, but like you alluded to, um, getting the time to do all of those things is, is something that we're advocating for very strongly. Thanks, Marika. Yeah, thanks for those examples. Um, look, we've talked a lot about um, anti-racism education in the context of students with refugee experience, and of course, that's the core client group that Starts works with. But of course, we can't talk about anti-racism without um, discussing our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students, staff and community members. So I was wondering if you could tell us about how anti-racism education um, is aligned with Aboriginal education um, in the in New South Wales public schools? Like you said, Nicole, um, you know, our work is framed on the premise that to understand racism in Australia or anti-racism, it's critical to understand and build, you know, knowledge of the impact of colonisation, how racist policies and practices um, uh, were embedded in Australian laws and institutions. Um, we have a very strong policy commitment that recognises and respects Aboriginal peoples as the first peoples of New South Wales. Um, our policy acknowledges that racism has a particular impact on Aboriginal peoples and may take forms which are distinct from other forms of racism. Our policy also stipulates that an environment of cultural safety must be provided for all Aboriginal students, staff, parents, community members. And we have a partnership agreement with um, with the New South Wales Aboriginal Education Consultative Group, um, which guides us on how we create these culturally safe environments. Um, we also have Aboriginal education advisors and officers 
who assist schools to incorporate the cultural context, values and practices of local Aboriginal communities into the mainstream delivery of education. Um, we have Aboriginal cultural education mandatory training introduced for the first time um, this term for all staff and we worked very closely with them to make sure that our anti-racism policy training um, was completed beforehand and was seen as foundational uh, to the Aboriginal cultural education mandatory training. Um, we also, our team works very closely with the Aboriginal Outcomes and Partnerships team, and we have a high-level policy implementation working group that includes members um, of our Aboriginal Outcomes and Partnerships um, Directorate. Um, we, we are also working on developing um, an anti-racism and Aboriginal peoples course, professional learning course, which won't be mandatory, um, but it will be a dig deeper course um, uh, as a follow-up from both the anti-racism training course and the cultural education um, mandatory training course. So uh, in terms of how it, uh, how we um, align with Aboriginal education, we work extremely uh, closely and, and we know um, that racism is... Um, has been identified in initiatives such as Closing the Gap, um, which has education targets as uh, racism has been identified as uh, one of the greatest um, obstacles to um, initiatives to close the gap. In other words, to for us, for our target, which is to um, increase, retain year 12 completion. Mm. No, it does sound incredibly well integrated and, yeah, thanks for explaining that in so much detail. Um, look, with the, the anti-racism policy that was released by the Department of Education in April 2022, um, you've already talked about many of the ways in which the department's going to enact um, these anti-racism strategies. You know, we've talked about the ARCOs and, and the training. Um, I was wondering if there were any additional strategies you um, wanted to discuss Um Look, I'm um, I'm really interested in the Racism No Way website, if that's something you can comment on, but I'm sure you've got more things um, that we haven't covered yet. Um, uh, yes, thank you. Look, if, if we're at the stage now of listening to what students and teachers are telling us that, that's happening on the ground. So all of the things that have, I've described uh, are about schools generally, but we're really, really keen on... Um, uh, supporting leaders to build those cultures, anti-racism cultures. So a lot of effort is going into that both at the corporate level um, as well as at the school level. Um, we we also have, I talked a lot about, you know, mandatory training um, for all staff and also training for ARCOs, but we also have additional training courses um, that we hope will have a greater uptake. Uh, we have Facing Up to Racism Part 1, Part 2, um, so a lot of kind of dig deeper courses for people who, um, who are very, very keen to lead anti-racism in the schools. Um, we, uh, 
like many other departments, have translation and interpreting. Um, we have, um, we're embarking on evaluating the impact of the policy over a three-year period. And there's such little research in impact um, uh, of, of professional learning and policy. So we're very excited about developing data sources that will give us um, an evidence base to inform any policy direction. And you mentioned our um, wonderful uh, Racism No Way website, which we manage on behalf of all uh, education jurisdictions. We are so excited because we have started collaborating with um, the other jurisdictions, including South Australia, Victoria, I think we've been to Queensland. Um, I'm not sure we're about to meet with Western Australia and the Northern Territory. So we're going to look at how do we revamp that website so that it is actually meeting the needs of all um, teachers. And that website um, was developed, gosh, over 20 years ago when, you know, there was very little of information available. Now there's lots of information available, but this is still the, the go-to website for many, many teachers. So we're very excited about that kind of national collaboration that's happening. Um, we have other courses. We have um, courses uh, to engage the community, particularly Cal communities. Uh, we have culturally inclusive teaching and learning, professional learning, so that teachers can look at resources and look at their practices and see uh, how they can better um, be culturally inclusive depending on their cohorts. Um, we... we uh, collaborating with experts and academics on anti-racism initiatives with various universities and have been involved in research grants. Um, we have action research projects. So there's quite a bit um, that that is happening um, in the space, fortunately, um, and and a lot of um, a lot of um, excitement around the Racism No Way national collaboration. Yeah, there certainly sounds like there's a lot going on. And as you say, just wonderful that um, evaluation is just being built into every stage of it and um, that we'll have that data to reflect on in, in a few years. That'll be great. And I, I assume as we go along as well, will there be interim reports um, before the three years are up? Uh, well, we're hoping so. We have we have some data already. Um, uh, we have a, a general survey that goes out to students twice a year, uh, students, teachers and parents, and they're called Tell Them From Me surveys. For the first time in the next round of surveys, we are asking, have you experienced racism and where have you experienced racism? So we're very, very excited about getting that data because that's for every student um, in New South Wales schools and, and that will be a really fantastic source of information for us um, in the conversations that we need to have about how to address the needs um, of the students. Yeah. And just so um, so I'm clear and our listeners are clear on the scope of the new policy, um, who in the school communities is covered by the new policy? 
Okay, so the new policy clearly articulates the responsibilities of staff. So all staff in schools and corporate offices um, and students and contractors and volunteers. Okay, so anybody who is working in the school or for the Department of Education. Okay, so um, if parents and carers have concerns or queries about um, their experiences on school grounds, what would you advise to them? Right, parents and um, uh, community members can report their concerns to the school principal or to the school ARCO and the department has a mechanism and a procedure for them to make the complaint and they'd be advised on what that procedure is. They, they can do it anonymously should they want to through an online um, complaints forum but the policy does not cover parents, um, other other. Um, departmental policies cover parent behaviour and the expectations in in behaving in a respectful uh, way while on school premises or dealing with school business. Okay, thanks for clarifying that, Marika. Um, look, if you feel comfortable, I was wondering if you would talk to us about some of the obstacles that you might have encountered um, in the enacting of the anti-racism strategies that you've discussed with us today. Down kind of on the ground, one of the biggest obstacles is that teachers have a fear of talking about racism, and I alluded to that before, and because they're really worried about saying the wrong thing. Um, we also have kind of obstacles in, in mainstream media outlets negating the work that, that we're doing. So that's a huge obstacle for us in terms of, um, in terms of promoting the work that we do. Uh, um, other kind of obstacles that we have are teachers, teachers who experience racism, um, Nicole, are sometimes reluctant to report it as it's sometimes framed as a a teacher competence or classroom management issue um, because of a lack of understanding of the impact and a lack of understanding of race what racism may look like Um, and I think one of our greatest obstacles is that limited data um, that we have on incidents of racism to form that evidence base which could inform further resourcing etc. Yeah what you mentioned about the teachers having a fear of talking about racism um, it it feels familiar to to me and my colleagues as well as um, in the training in the um, professional development that we offer to to schools to educators on um, working with students with refugee experience we find that there is that um, that fear as well wanting so so deeply to do the right thing to be to be supportive and to and to not to not do the wrong thing and um, what we find like with your your training as well and your resources is is that reassurance that they they already have the skills they've got the aptitudes they've got the 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 right intentions and um, just that confidence building can go such a long way into them being a part of um, yeah more inclusive um, school environments so. 
Yeah, that's um, we're certainly on the same page with you know, building those capacities and confidences uh, um, amongst educators. Um, I was wondering if you'd like to speak on what your hope is for what impact the anti-racism strategies will have on individual students and on school communities, um, say, three years from now. Oh, oh boy, yeah. Overall, with you know, a big general statement then a big ask, but we want all students, staff in the community to to feel that sense of, of belonging, that their cultural background is respected and valued and and that they have that sense of equity of opportunity, um, that they're not marginalised in any way. So I, I just hope that teachers are, are starting to get that understanding of the impact of racism and, and that it's a serious business, you know, that... Um, even if they haven't experienced the racism themselves, it is still their responsibility uh, for various reasons. And I guess we really want um, to see an increase in the safe reporting of racism. And I'd really like to see very, very strong systems that record resolution approaches um, that we can share with people and... I'd like to see reflective practice so that uh, teachers are given the opportunities to have conversations where they can reflect on biases and curriculum choices, you know, um, and discuss that in kind of safe environments with with each other. Um, And I I guess my biggest ask is um, to have teachers with high expectations you know I I want student feedback to tell us that teachers have high expectations of them and um, that students feel that sense of belonging and and report an increase in feeling safe to to report incidents. Now Marika I can think of no better um, tone to end on than a focus on working towards belonging, respect, safety and reflective practice. So um, I thank you um, deeply for all your contributions today, um, for the level of detail you went into. Um, It's been great. I've learned so much. Um, Before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, no, thank you so much, Nicole, for the opportunity. I, I really appreciate it. Let me let me just say that, we, you, you know, as I started with, we've had the policy for 30 years and we've, we have come a long way, but gosh, we have, we have a long way to go as well. So um, all the work that we're doing, we're under no illusion that um, it's enough. <laughs>